Odd Father Podcast with Chris Matthews and Pete Court. Hi, this guy here is Chris. He used to be a research scientist in the field of molecular biology until, he reckons, God told him he wanted him to look after a suburban church. And this is Pete, who used to be in commercial media until he became a novelist and started teaching people how to be highly creative. One thing we have in common, we've both met God. Yep, and we love people, but we really love God, and we love being His children. But we both find being God's kids can be baffling. So, that's why we got together, not to find the answers, but to try and find the right questions. Once again, Chris, we gather round and confuse ourselves completely. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> you got a, you got a good curly one here. This is this is one that I I want you to to throw around because you studied this a bit more than I have. So, what, what's your concern for today? Well, <laughs> one of one of the essential things as a Christian that we do is read our Bibles. Yeah. Uh, so my question to you is, what version of the Bible do you read, Pete? Ooh, um, the the right one. <laughs> Well, that is the problem, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Actually, at the moment, at the moment, we read um, the Passion Translation. My mum gave me a copy of that for Christmas a couple of years ago, and it's, it's quite fun, and, it, and it's really interesting. It, it is a lot more passionate, I think, than many of the translations. But, yeah. um, so that's kind of fun. But we actually, now I find more and more, um, we're double-checking it with the phone app. Going back, what is the NIV? How does the NIV put that? Or what, what does the New King James say? How does it put that? You know, what's that word doing in there? We, we we've suddenly got to doing a lot of that, I think, which is really well, takes that, forever to have a Bible study. Now you see, you've offended two groups of people. Yes, with this comment, <laughs> the first group of people yeah. uh, are those that think the idea of reading the Bible should be fun. Right, and the <laughs> second group of people okay. are oh. those that think. More than one translation has any validity. Wow, okay, okay. And what really worries me is that there's a lot of those people out right. there. Well, there's a lot of translations out there. I have used the Bible app on your phone, mm. and, and like this, you can download, I think, 20, 30-something different translations yeah. and versions of the Bible, um, and they're called translations. Um, which is an interesting question, and the Bible is constantly undergoing discussion about what did that actually mean? Um, yeah, because the words don't. It's not like going from French to English, or you know, the the common languages have very different bases, so it's really weird. Yeah, um, what they mean and what they actually say, and what our sources are, yeah, and how yeah. reliable they are, yeah, as yeah. well. Because you know, one of the things in in researching this. Um, I discovered is that we've got this concept that when people find fragments of old mm. Bibles buried under rocks and things mm. in archaeological digs, the, the, obviously the older the, um, the piece of uh, the Bible they find, mm. the more reliable it is. Uh. Um, but the interesting thing that mm. I, I hadn't thought of with this mm. is the trouble is the older it is, the far less likely it is to find anything um, useful mm. the, the, because it's so much more fragmented. 
And so they've got lots of bits, right. but putting the bits together properly yeah. is, is, it becomes a real problem. And that's before you even start trying to work out whether or not these people were telling the truth. Yes. Whether this was a, like, uh, I have people knock on the door with the Christadelphian Bible or the Mormon version of the Bible, which they have changed to say what they want to say. Um, and what? How, oh my gosh, my head! What are you doing? You know, but the I list mean, just grows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how those things have happened over time. Um, I know there's there's little bits that come up in the readings of the Bible, the passages that I've oh, the Lord's Prayer is a classic example. Um, the last bit of the Lord's Prayer yeah. is not in the original the original version. Apparently, now I wasn't there. You're a little older. Um. <laughs> well, yes, I'm glad you said that because I was there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, but somebody somebody chucked that in at some stage that like, um, hmm. now, what's the last bit of the Lord's Prayer? Uh, for thine is the kingdom, the power, power and the, the glory, glory forever yeah. and ever. Amen. Which only that appears... That bit's not on the end. Yeah, after about 300 AD. Okay, wow, so quite a bit after. Yeah, and so yeah. the question that we ask ourselves is, why did they leave it in? Because yeah. they've known this... For a long time. and but So they've got together and thought, yeah, no, it's actually pretty good. Be- well, yeah, well, because what they've, the, the thought behind it is, and, mm. there are, and when I say thought, don't forget, these are theological theologians <laughs> talking. So when you get two theologians in a room, yeah. you're never go- and th- well, if you get three, you're never going to get agreement. Throw a philosopher in there as well. Yeah. It's um, all over the place. So th- these are uh, ideas which have a high degree of certainty. <laughs> not, these are not ideas that are... Right. That, are necessarily yeah. set in stone or mm. papyrus or any other writing material. Um, but it was thought that this became a part of the liturgy of the early church yeah. and that it was actually part of a, a sort of a, a hymnal ending to the Lord's Prayer okay, okay. Uh, that was something for a congregation to uh, add to as a, as a form of praise. So kind of like when Sister Janet Mead did her song, yeah. she changed slightly the, mm. the, the phrasing of it. Yeah so that it would fit into the song. Now, in 2,000 years' time, somebody finds that phrasing, compares it with the original phrasing, like, oh, my gosh, which of these is right? Yeah. yeah. And, so, so, and so scholars have basically left it in because they thought, well, these, if it was good enough for these guys... It works. Well, it works. Well, we'll keep it in because yeah. it, it doesn't say anything that isn't uplifting about yeah. God. And so yeah. there are all sorts of bits and pieces in our Bibles which... Um, there is uncertainty about or just plain, okay, they're not the words that Jesus said, mm-hmm. but they are worthy of, of mm-hmm. staying in there. Yeah. Uh, okay, I was editing a novel today and I found some things that needed to change and I thought, oh, there's a better way of saying that. And oh, that line there, if I shift that back up there, that's going to make that much better. It's still the same novel. It's still the same title. Yes. We don't do that with the Bible. They seem to go through and go, yeah, it's the same book, but we've done it different. Ah, yes. Um, well, that, <laughs> they've actually, most people uh, have done that legitimately mm. in the sense that if, if, you, if you think about it, um, apart from some of the older translations, the Wycliffe right. Bible, the King James Version of the Bible, mm-hmm. rely, I think, entirely on... Uh, not entirely, but a large degree on something called the Vulgate Bible, which right. was a Latin translation Latin version, yeah. of the possibly Greek. the Septuagint, which yeah. was the Greek one. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, this is all let's a bit see, faded in my mind. But Google but that to check it, please, folks. Uh, re- just, yeah. All of our modern translations yeah. actually come from a single source, right. uh, which is called the uh, Alan Nestle 
um, trans- what you've viable. got there is a chocolate-coated snake. Exactly. Lolly. Yep. Um, and basically, that's a, a repository, not the other thing, starting with this, um, <laughs> of all the world's knowledge right. of papyrus fragments, the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Septuagint, the Masoretic texts. Um, it's a wiki. Yeah. And so every oh, person yeah. who writes a translation today has yeah. access to not only to everything but to more and more because they're still finding stuff Um, and so there is an ever-expanding knowledge base which everybody has the same access to Mm. and so the translations we have are are really people trying to help their readers Mm. uh, get a better grasp make more sense of and depending on who their readers are you know in the American the New American Standard Bible (laughs) they've got the the New Living Translation which I'm a particular fan of Mm. Um, there's and, all of these things, but they all approach the subject from a slightly different aspect yeah. using the same material. I think you've really nailed something there that I have really come to understand a lot more, and that is that the Bible wasn't written for me anyway. The Bible was written in Hebrew times for Hebrews and then translated, as you say, by the Greeks to understand what was going on back then. And it was, it was written for them, about them, in their time, in their culture. Within that telling of that story mm. is an enormous world, world growth, changing, fundamental creation of everything story. Yeah. But it was not a story that was written for me. So, in, initially. Yes. So, I, I'm thinking just... I can't off the top of my head. There was a whole bunch of um, bits of bits of papyrus or something, uh, bits of uh, writing material, rock yeah. uh, with with information scraped on them that was found in a in a pot somewhere, you know, and just recently in the Middle East. And it's basically mm. a shopping list. Yes, but the shopping list uses words and phrases from the time that the Bible was written, so it's it's not nothing to do with the Bible at all. But those words in that shopping list are words that appear in those documents, like you say, in that, that basically that Bible wiki collection of everything that's been found. So yep. with this now, they can add that knowledge to that knowledge and find out more about what they were saying back then about this amazing creation story that was told back then. And hopefully that makes it easier for me to read yeah. now. And that, that happens yeah. a lot. Um, shopping lists... Uh, in yeah. ancient texts are very important because otherwise there is no context sometimes for the words yeah. that are used in the Bible. Yeah. And it's interesting because the, the, the Septuagint is a, I think, a 4th century BC Greek mm. translation of the, the Hebrew text, uh, which no, the text it was translated from uh, no longer exists. And you sort of think, well, we've just got this Greek stuff. Surely that must be... <laughs> second-hand sort of information. Mm, mm. But the interesting is, I mean, and, and this is a, a question that you know, I've thought of occasionally in, in reading some of the Bible. Jesus quotes from the Septuagint. Yeah. yeah. And you sort of think, well, if it was good enough for him, yeah. surely it's got to be good enough for us. Yeah. Um, and so our, our, our passion for um, having arguments about the minute of translation, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we could let these go a little bit. 
Okay, so these Bibles and all these versions of it that I have on the phone, which are wonderful, you know, thing to have, and we've got all these amazing bits of research and people are constantly throwing papers and spending their time, obviously people who don't have Netflix, spending their time looking into, you know, reading all these things and learning new stuff. I read the Bible and I find stuff in it and I go, that doesn't, that, the thing that gets me is that doesn't make sense, which makes me think I'm missing something as opposed to this is a load of rubbish. And I think, I think the bits when, when I read something and then suddenly it'll go that, but hang on a second. If this means that, then that means, ah, you know, and it takes a while. Are we able, and this would be the question I guess I would want to, to ask, can I just let that be? Can I just be ignorant for a bit within the Bible? Um, you can, but I, I think there's an easier way out. Um, oh, now you tell me. <laughs> but it, it takes, I think, a lot of um, work that mm. often we don't like to do because... When I say reading the Bible, most people think of being on their own yeah. and reading the Bible. Yep, yep. Whereas up until very recent history in terms of biblical knowledge, mm. the Bible was read out to people yeah. and read out to crowds of people because you yeah. didn't want to waste your time just reading it to one person and then having to read it again. So yeah. you got everybody together and you read from a yeah. scroll to the people. And, uh, and Paul talks about it in, in one of his letters. The trouble with doing that is everybody thinks the same as you. They get to a piece and somebody thinks, well, doesn't make sense they say well, what, what's he talking about and they well i don't know it's yeah, us, yeah, joshua yeah, yeah. in front of us yeah, and, and so yeah. suddenly there's this hubbub there and the guy at the front say like, hey what what's going on here what, yeah, yeah, what are you what all are you talking doing? about yeah. um and i think there's there's that lacking we often wrestle with bible passages and, yeah. and don't ask anybody else what they think yeah and i think there's a brilliant example of how this works which is jesus he's pretty good at stuff like that but he t takes the old testament and changes it so where Jesus says, you have heard it said that this is the thing. Well, I now say to you, this is what that now means, or this is what that should mean. So, you know, you've heard it said that, you know, you'll love your neighbor. Well, I say, love your enemies as well. You know, so Jesus actually reframes it as he's going along. So even he is rereading and reframing and thinking of his own book, if you like. Yes. In new and interesting ways. Yep. I think the idea that we have that the, the Bible is an immovable sort of stone uh, um, mm. and not open to a new meaning yeah. uh, uh, is comforting to some people, Yeah, but I think it's a false comfort. Yeah. And this comes, and I guess the question is, how can we trust the change that comes in us as we read the Bible? By not doing it on our own. I think that's the that's the whole. Yeah. I mean, it gets back to our last podcast talking about um, did what did Jesus really want a church? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think in some ways we okay. need to have a church so that people don't go off with screwy ideas on their own, mm. having got weird ideas from the Bible. Yeah. Uh, we actually need each other to keep us keep each other on track so that somebody can smack you up the side of the head and say, "Come on, you can't be serious," <laughs> um, and have some robust discussion around it. So, what do you reckon? We'd love to hear what your questions might be and what sort of answers you came up with. So you can email us, podcast at theoddfather.net or you can jump onto the web, theoddfather.net and check all the socials there and we'll talk to you then. Thanks for your time and keep asking those questions. <laughs>